Welcome to Digging Up Ag Podcast. Through sharing research-based information from the University of Kentucky, our goal is to help you successfully enrich your farming enterprise while cultivating knowledge and expertise in agriculture. Now, here's your host. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Digging Up Ag Podcast. I am Adam Huber. I'm the Agriculture and Natural Resources Extension Agent in Allen County, Kentucky, and I am alongside of this morning with Kevin Lyons. He's in Monroe County and then also Adam Estes in Park County. Gentlemen, how are y'all doing this morning? Doing well. Good morning. How are you guys? Doing great. How are you all? Doing well. Yeah, glad to be on here with you all again. Yeah, so Kevin, he, he played hooky on us last week. There was the last <laughs> time we recorded. We had, to, we had to recruit Brandon over in Metcalf County to uh, to fill in uh fill in for kevin but uh we're glad to have you back good deal i think that was probably an upgrade i'm not sure that uh you're <laughs> you having me back is anything positive you probably should have stuck with brandon bell <laughs> it was it was definitely entertaining I'll say that. <laughs> all you had to do was say hello and goodbye <laughs> wasn't it? yeah yeah, yeah. Bell's a know. talker he's a good one kevin your shoes are hard to feel now i tell you i don't know about that he he's got it figured out yeah yeah for sure yeah so so of course kevin was on vacation um the last time we recorded and he also so kevin grows strawberries and uh and if you may not know uh september of course we are in september right now um september is a good time to plant strawberries for your fall planting so kevin why don't you just give us a little bit of uh insight on strawberry production okay sure um uh, my wife and I, Regina, uh, grow a few strawberries. We grow them in a high tunnel. Uh, I think this is our fourth season going into the strawberries. Um, we kind of enjoy it. It's good exercise for us. Uh, keeps us, make us, us exercise during the during the picking season for sure. Uh, but we uh, we put them in a high tunnel on kind of like a. I don't guess anything's really permanent, but it's not throwaway ground cover. It's been in there four years but it's a heavy duty like plastic weave type ground cover that that they are on and um so it's a it's a one shot a year deal because they can't grow out and sucker into the ground like they normally would outside the high tunnel out in a field setting uh, but you the advantage of that is you could put them in there space them closer in the row and space them closer between the rows so i think our <clears throat> high tunnel is uh 30 feet wide 96 feet long and we could probably put a few more in there but kind of the maximum on that the first two years we had 1600 plants in it uh the last last year we knew it was just going to be me and regina and that's gonna our labor kind of uh graduated from high school and it's just hard to find uh, folks that have the time to do that and, and want to do that but we had some really great help there for the first two years last year it was a little different so we cut back and we put in half the high tunnel rotated around a little bit and uh, got 800 plants um, i think the goal is on recommendations you kind of want to get one to 1.25 quarts per plant and uh, we've we've had uh, good luck so far uh, people's been really supportive but uh, we buy the plugs from Danny Van Meter up in uh, Grayson County. He's well known in Kentucky for strawberries and expertise and family operation and everything. So 
uh, we just kind of learn as we go. Uh, but um, it, the transplanter is a shovel shovel uh, handle with a kind of <laughs> custom custom carved the end of it to fit the plug size. I looked around and looked around, and I, I went back to uh, the Amish fellow from Vernon Community that kind of helped me that first uh, time we did it. That's what he did. He said he's had that shovel handle for 30 years and he's everything he puts in he puts in with that so i thought well that can't get much better endorsement on that and then i had to roll back some of the ground cover and, and replace some of the drip tape so i'm uh, i joked i'm now distributing custom built uh transplanters which is <laughs> a whole handle and a custom built uh drip tape applicator mm -hmm. which is a broom that runs through the spool of drip tape as I walk along. So if you need any of those things, just uh, let me know. They're relatively cheap. Uh, probably $99 for the set will get it. So just let me know if you need something. <laughs> but we enjoy it. We It's a lot of uh, a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Yeah, mm -hmm. Regina, she almost uh, she almost balked on me this time. and uh, she, she But I'd already ordered a transplant, so that's, that was my saving grace. So I figured <laughs> now if I just order them without telling her, we'll have to put them in because she doesn't want to waste any money on it. But well, it's, uh, it does. Uh, we're getting a little older. It's a little harder on our knees and back and things to stay bent over and, and kind of move around on your, on your knees. But I think it's good for us. So. Uh, we're going to try it again. Hopefully, uh, I think last year we started having berries in the middle of April and we ran till middle of June and we could probably go a little longer than that if we put some shade cloth on and things, but the heat will get them in the high tunnel and that kind of puts the, puts the halt on the production. But uh, uh, yeah, we enjoy it. It's been a good little enterprise. You think the shade cloth would be worth it for what uh, you do? Do you think they're, they're to a point that that, you know, in the middle of June, that she's just pretty well better off to stop. Well, I think if we could control the control the temperature with some shade cloth, would probably be beneficial and probably would be economically feasible. Uh, I've said this before. If I was relying on that as my uh, true income source, I probably would do that. But uh, we're not doing it just as a hobby. But by the end, by the middle of June, we've had all we can do with them and. Uh, so, yeah, I think the shade cloth would pay off, though, if you were wanting to do it truly big-scale commercial-type operation. I think most of those do that. I've seen, the, uh, I've seen your pictures on Facebook about the with the broom handle and all the stuff about the patent. Get that patent pending. <laughs> I, got, I got my patent pending on that. And uh, <laughs> uh, somebody come in, they would need their broom back before the end of October. <laughs> and I had a really good comeback, but I – for once, I showed some restraint and did not put it on there. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm not known for restraint most of the time. <laughs> you know, whenever whenever uh, Kevin first uh, started, uh, before he even had anything in his high tunnels, we had a uh, Mammoth Cave area ag agent powwow at mm -hmm. his high tunnel, and we uh, we actually we put together a video on like how to put down. Um, the the fabric the spacing basically we did a video on you know kind of how to do that and uh, that was the interest we, we had what like there was like 11 or 12 of us out there that day and we had a yeah. really good old time it was it was fun yeah i think it was new uh to all of us and i'm, I'm we've got a pretty good blooper reel i, I think on that one uh 
I accidentally had the torch and turned it toward the plastic and uh, I, I let a little bit of a, a bad word come out real quick, but not too bad. So, but it was, yeah. it is a lot of fun. And, and uh, if you don't take advantage of your friends and let them get out there and help you, then you're just not <laughs> thinking hard enough, but I appreciate them coming over. That was when COVID had just started. I think that was the fall of 20. Yeah. And um, so we were doing a virtual field day and we were coming up with some topics. And I, I think that turned out to be a good topic. Yeah. But yeah, I appreciate yeah. appreciate them helping me very much. Yeah. It actually was that, that night that we had the the virtual field day. I think we had like, what, three different topics. We had the strawberry production. Mm -hmm. um, then we had the, um, uh, the ear corn. Yeah, you know, yeah, the ear corn, ear corn the Butler area. County. Yeah, yep. guy did it for uh, bags it up for uh, deers and things. Yeah. Then the other one I think was the uh, the feeding pad down in Simpson yep. County. So we had a good mm -hmm. broad range of stuff and yeah, put together some good videos on every stop and of course those those are there if we want to go back and people reference them. But we had a good turnout for a virtual field day. You couldn't meet in person still at that point, but I think we had like a hundred and 25 or 30 folks on it that night watching it yeah. and of course some have went back and watched the video so uh, i'd like to do something like that again i think that's got a place in our in our future oh yeah absolutely and kind of getting back to your strawberries as far as the variety uh, of strawberries i know like in kentucky uh, the majority of the variety is chandler mm -hmm. that is grown um but and I know, I think that's what you, you grow as well. Is there mm -hmm. any other varieties that that you would recommend, like, um, you know, that would be, I guess, a substitute or just an additional good variety uh, to go with Chandler's? Yeah, I think there's a couple that's uh, kind of coming on a little bit and gaining in popularity. Uh, like you said, I think UK recommends Chandler for a high tunnel for sure, as far as overall, but there are other varieties that do well in a high tunnel. Uh, the ruby red, you kind of hear more about it all the time. And the, the Camarosa, I think those are the two that are kind of pretty comparable to the Chandler's. Uh, uh, I hear this a, a lot. And, uh, of course, there is a difference in something that's grown local and something that's shipped from wherever. Uh, but... For, uh, We've always been blessed and had plenty of uh, people wanting the strawberries because uh, they'll compare them to the strawberry that they buy in a, in a grocery store. And they said, you know, it's just like a homegrown tomato. There's just no real good comparison to the, the, the taste, uh, the sweetness. Uh, they like the size of them. They don't, uh, a lot of folks don't like those great big ones that you get at the store because they, a lot of times, are a little tougher, maybe not hardly as sweet, but. Uh, I think I think it'd be a good uh, enterprise if somebody's interested in it. Uh, we've never had any problem getting them sold, and people have been very uh, good about coming back. And uh, it, it gives you a little pocket pocket money to spend, that kind of thing, and uh, just just enjoy doing it. Mm -hmm. I think the high I tunnel production is pretty neat. I mean, I, I I just speak that most there's a lot of high tunnels in my in Hart County, but I don't. I mean, I'm going to say a large percentage of them are tomatoes. Yeah. Maybe a little fall crops, but but mm -hmm. I don't know of anybody doing strawberries in a high tunnel. Yeah. Uh, I think it's uh, it's been a, it's been a blessing to us and uh, the economics. You know, I hear folks say, well, don't that get expensive? 
having to pull them up, you know, when they're done in the summer, let them lay there, fallow for a couple of months. Or, you know, you could squeeze another crop in there between the time your harvest ends and you put your plugs in again. But it just pushes it just a little bit. And, um, but, yeah, I mean, there's some uh, folks that you will hear say, I just don't think that works. But uh, putting them in every year. But the plugs have gone up a little bit since we started, but they're still uh, relatively uh, inexpensive. But uh, the increase in the production, you could control the water a little bit better, control the, the spray, uh, control the weather that comes down on them. And uh, uh, if I was going to do them, I don't think I could do it outside. I think I would have to try the high tunnel on them just because of the advantages of it. And uh, But it's everybody's got different preferences a lot of it's labor you know how much labor you got access to we grew, we grew some out in the uh, uh in the field setting a few years ago and we we only had 250 plants which that's that's still a lot um mm -hmm. and we we planted a variety that's called early glow and it was extremely good um mm -hmm. they're like really there's the berries are smaller but they're so sweet like yeah. they're just delicious um of course whenever you talk about the difference between you know field production and high tunnel production it's a totally different animal mm -hmm. um if i we don't have a high tunnel but if i were to have one and wanted to do strawberry production i probably would do that in a high tunnel just because there's so many more advantages to that you know like you said um yeah. I, that's what i would if I was going into strawberry production, that's what I would recommend. Yeah, just it just uh, has a lot of uh, management advantages, and yeah. uh, uh, for the strawberries and and the labor, you know, you can pick if you know if they need to be picked. It doesn't matter if it's raining or not. You gotta you gotta do it. So mm -hmm. there's been days where it'd be raining pretty good outside, <laughs> and we'd still be in there and, and halfway comfortable. But uh, you know, just you have a lot, uh, you know, a little bit less disease pressure. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure you got any less insect pressure, probably a little bit, but it's easier to manage for us. And that's the other thing. Uh, if somebody's young and strong and good uh, health like Adam, they can they can pick those strawberries a lot easier than somebody that's my age and uh, having aches and pains in your joints all the time. So I hope we can stick with it a little bit longer. I think we can, but... Uh, it definitely makes you exercise. That's one right, good thing for right. somebody like us. And that's why you hear so much uh, positive press about, you know, home gardening or just any type of raised bed, whatever it is for, for older folks. It's a great way for them to get out and get, and move a little bit and get some good exercise as well as producing some pretty flowers or vegetables or whatever it might be. So, yeah. And also another advantage to, you know, high tunnel production, whether it's vegetables or strawberries or whatever, is you don't have as much uh, like wildlife damage as you would rather if you had it in the field, you know? Yeah. I was uh, actually going to say the same thing, Adam. I mean, I was going to bring that up. That's a good point. Yeah. Go ahead and expand on that a little bit, Estes. Well, I, I don't know about you all, but I'm hearing, I know this year I heard a lot more people that dealt with wildlife pressure on strawberries and other crops as well. But, and then later in the summer, I've run into a lot of it, uh, in soybean fields are you all seeing that do you think it's getting widespread more widespread in your county or what i do definitely not uh maybe it might have been huber that showed me some aerial 
drone photos of some corn crop. Yeah, but uh, soybeans. I mean, they can they can just swap pop out a large spot of those. And I do think this has been a worse year for them. Don't really know why, but uh, I think the complaints about them are definitely up a little bit. Yeah, those those pictures that I showed Kevin, that was actually of a cornfield. And I had never seen any deer damage like that on a cornfield. Um, of course, typically you see more corn damage whenever the, you know, you've actually got an ear with kernels on it. Um, but this was actually back in the summer whenever the corn was, you know, probably two foot tall. The, those deer went in and they, they ate the tops out of, Probably, I'd say at least the, the the field was about 25 acres and they probably ate six or seven acres of corn to, you know, that, so that, up, it? that was, that was very interesting to see that, um, mm -hmm. in that much, in that, you know, that much damage just on corn, which typically, like I say, you don't, you might see some a little bit around the edges a little mm -hmm. bit, but way out into the field, like it was, that's just really unheard of. Yeah. <laughs> And they, uh, I mean, it's whatever they're closest to usually, but, you know, alfalfa, you hear people talk about how many, you know, uh, a big herd of them out in their alfalfa field, and, and they they can do uh, quite a bit of damage in a short period of time. There's no doubt about that, and I don't know what the right answer is. I know we've got to share, and they've got to have their part and, and Mother Nature and as a way, but... Uh, Sometimes it's kind of evident that they've overpopulated a little bit, and uh, you can just tell that we, we might be getting there on on some of our deer populations. Yeah, oh, I agree. I, it blows my mind that uh, you know I I haven't seen really any cornfields that's had major damage, but I have soybeans, and mm -hmm. I guess I would compare it to if you get a field that's really affected by them, I compare it to mob grazing with either cattle or sheep, and it blows my mind that they can eat that much. Mm -hmm. uh, and, yeah. and, and how even it would be across the field for the yeah. most part they just get out there and just mow right across it and they know exactly what they're doing well i mean i mean if you think about it i mean deer are kind of like cattle in the in the sense that they're going to eat about the same uh percentage of body weight as a cow so if you've got 20 deer out there that weigh just to say they weigh average of 125 pounds mm -hmm. you know that's a lot, you know, that's a lot of, of tonnage. <laughs> yeah, they don't take them long because if they're eating, let's just say for average two and a half, three percent of their of their body weight in dry matter, that's quite a bit every day. Yeah. That this yeah. is right out of the farmer's pocket. But uh, we all know that they've got their place and we've got to um, uh, enjoy them. And, but uh, it does seem like they've kind of, spiked in their numbers and maybe getting to be a little bit more of them than we can kind of sustain long term and the good thing about like so you know we're about to be in october we're in the end of september right now and this year i've noticed um of course y'all know me i love hunting and so um i've noticed that our acorn crop has been really heavy this year um and i've got we've got a, a acorn tree a white oak tree in our driveway and that thing has got tons of them on it. It went, and they're starting to, they're most of them are fail now. Mm -hmm. Um, but if that's any indication, you know, of, of the ones that are all throughout the, you know, the woods, which, and I've been in the woods, a lot of places that, I, that I've got to hunt 
don't necessarily have a ton of, of oak trees, but um, the ones that I have seen are just really loaded this year. And so that's yeah. good for the farmers in the sense of the, you know, as far as the deer go, because of course, you know, we are in harvest season now and they're starting to harvest some, but the deer are going to start, stop using those agriculture fields and get into the woods where those acorns are at. Whenever you got a heavy mass crop like we do this year, that really helps with the farmer, you know, as far as, because they're, you know, those deer are not going to be out in those grain fields. That's what they prefer, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I've got some oak trees in my yard and I, I noticed the same thing. Some years there'll be a bunch and some years there won't be hardly any. And there's, looks like there's a pretty good crop of the crop of them this time. And this may be an old wives tale, but most of the time, uh, I've heard like if you've got a really heavy crop of, of acorns or just mass crop in general, then the winter will be extremely harsh. So yeah. I don't know if that's any indication <laughs> of this winter. Um, I, I've heard but, the same thing because Mother Nature knows kind of what's coming. And she's she's giving them some right. food to get get right. fat on it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I actually actually this morning it's funny kind of, that we kind of start talking about acorns mm -hmm. this morning i picked up a bunch of them and uh i'm going to actually try to uh, grow some little trees start some trees yeah i did it a couple of years ago uh from the same tree that's in our yard i started mm -hmm. some trees and uh i think that's that's neat to to do i'll Absolutely. get it i'll just did get it work like pretty a, well it, yeah it did so i just get like a tray and put this regular pot and soil in it and you set your acorns you don't put them completely under the soil. You like kind of smash them down to where you can still see the, you know, the, the acorn. Mm -hmm. And then I've got a little, at my office, I've got a little uh, greenhouse and I've got grow lights in it. And so I'll keep them in that and water them. And then they'll start sprouting throughout the, the winter. Um, and then in the spring, you can, you can uh, put them into, you know, a larger pot or, Typically, you want to you want to start them off like this fall in a little greenhouse, and then put them in a larger pot during the spring, and then that next fall you can actually transplant them if you want to. But yeah, it works pretty good. It's it's pretty it's just a fun little project, especially you know if you've got kids or something like that. You know, mm -hmm. you know a, a farm where you can go and find some some acorns to do a little mm -hmm. project where they can grow their own tree. You know, so yeah. That's neat. I bet uh, when you said you didn't put them all the way in the ground, I guess it kind of mimics what happens in nature, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And that, and so that's with white oaks. So if you if you try to to grow red oaks, you have to you they actually have to go through a process that's called stratification, which means you freeze them. So, uh, you would pick like you'd pick them up off the ground this year or this fall, put those like in your freezer over mm -hmm. the winter then in the spring to, to to do that stratification process. Then in the spring, you'd actually go and then you could do the, you can plant them okay. uh, in the pots. Yeah. To, to start, ever... actually start the, you know, the tree. Okay. I didn't realize that. That's, that's good information. Yeah. Very it's pretty, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So speaking of, of grain crops, um, has anybody, have y'all heard of any, if, are any of y'all producers uh, started to shell corn or anything yet? Heard any like any yields or anything like that? Uh, yeah, I think we're having a a, a good 
year. Uh, it's kind of spotty, you know. I talked to some folks in Barron County just a few days ago. There's some areas over there that kind of missed several of these rains, and uh, there may be like their double crop beans. They're worried that they're even going to make much at all. But I yeah. think the early corn, uh, I know some folks started shelling the day after uh, Labor Day, and uh, I think it's I think most people are going to be pleased with their with their yields and and uh, uh, of course the price is a little bit different than what it's been in the past but uh, that's also good for the beef farmers though beef's at, yeah. a, at, a, at a good price so <clears throat> that, that kind of goes hand in hand sometimes but I hadn't heard a lot of uh, hard numbers just uh, my brother just kind of talks in general sometimes I unless I just come out and ask him but sometimes I don't because uh that way i can uh somebody asked me i can really truthfully say what i don't know because that's just kind of a uh i don't know but it's just uh i think they're having a good year they're in a good year i'm like you kevin i i don't really come out and ask a whole lot but i'm mm -hmm. but i've heard a lot of good ranges um, yeah you know yeah. we uh, there's it's gonna be a really good average this year i think mm -hmm. and similar to you of course we don't have a lot of double crop beans but what little we do have they're struggling bad yeah yeah they this just wasn't the it wasn't the right weather conditions for it this time and uh, there was a uh, father son in here brought some corn in i guess it was on monday this past couple of days ago and worried about the nitrates in it a little bit uh and they were saying you know they're double crop beans after they uh they didn't know that any rain would save them at this point. They're just uh, they're really struggling with those. So, uh, but that's part of the of the risk and reward uh, that farmers go through every every season, isn't it? Yep, that's right. <clears throat> I was looking at some of the corn prices right now, and it looks like a futures for December are four eighty seven. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's a few years ago. It was way more than that. <laughs> yeah, it sure was. <laughs> And uh, the the other side of that coin, and the the part that will catch you is, of course, the the inputs that go into that crop are still going up all the time, and yeah. So it's 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 kind of there's money to be made, but uh, not not like it was just a, a few short years ago. But it'll come back. Everything cycles. Uh, uh, I had a friend told me just the other day he's been growing. Uh, grain uh, probably over 40 years and he said whenever grain gets high you could just count on it that two years later beef is going to be high and he's right i mean you yeah, can have to go back and look at that because uh, and it's not just this cycle but uh, of course when when uh, grain gets high folks cut back on their cattle herd a little bit and then you get low cattle numbers then the, then the beef goes up so uh, it's a uh, it's hard to get it all just right. That's why you, you like to kind of be a little bit diversified and if you can in your operation and because uh, uh, usually it's not all going good at the same time, is it? Right, right. Yes. I was looking at some of the, you mentioned the cattle prices. Mm -hmm. I was looking here on the, the market here. It looks like some uh, five weight steers are 251. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty that's yeah, pretty good. <laughs> that's pretty good. Uh, what are you hearing on the beef prices up up in the Hurt County, Estes? Really good. Uh, 
what I've been hearing is like when you get start getting into the wean packages, you know, the background and cattle, they really start, they really want them. Um, mm-hmm. I have heard people talking that uh, last week or two, the just overall feeder calf market has softened just a little bit. And, you know, most people are, are gearing that or, or blaming that, I guess you could say on this time of year, we typically get a flush of green cattle coming to the market, you know, unweaned calves, balling calves that you're just pulling off the cow. Um, so it will soften a little bit, but there's money to be made background in cattle. I firmly believe that. And, 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 you know, UK's got some data that will show that as well. Kenny Burdine has done a lot with that. Um, yeah, I think the backgrounders are loving it right now. Every, every kind of report from those uh, folks, they said they they never made as much money before in their lives. So yeah, it's well deserved and a long time coming. Well, to give you an ex- to give you an example of the prices, the price difference from last year to now. So last year, the same week last year for for five weight steers was one seventy three, and like I said, now this year is two fifty one. So yeah, that's a pretty good swing. Yeah, it is. Everything across the board <laughs> seems like it's up forty five to fifty percent over the past year. Or so, uh, and that that is very, very welcome news because. Uh, you know, they, they were kind of sitting still there for a while and the inputs were going up all around them. And it just, um, for whatever reason, it just wouldn't, uh, best little run there the last year or two, but, uh, they, they've hit their stride and I hope it continues for them because I like to see everybody make money and stay in business and, and be able to take care of their families and their farms. And that's just, that's just, it takes a good, uh, takes a good price to recover some of those things. I've got to, there's a gentleman made the comment the other day. He sold dairy herd out a couple of years ago, and somebody was commenting on it. And he said, "Yeah, but I put 30 years into building that herd." So that's that's the thing that uh, if you're not involved in agriculture, you don't really see that commitment sometimes about you know somebody's it's several generations sometimes that have got them to that point of 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 hard work and commitment to that. So. Uh, welcome news for the beef for the beef crew that's for sure yep what adam, do you, you mentioned go ahead. go ahead kevin sorry no go on uh adam i was just gonna mention uh you mentioned our diversification a while ago and i know we were on horticulture topics earlier but how you think our pumpkin uh twilight tour went the other night oh yeah i i completely, completely forgot about uh talking about that yeah so that was actually went really well um, we'd mentioned, I think before on the podcast, uh, yeah, last week, the last time we did the podcast was, uh, you know, we were kind of promoting that and we had a really good turnout. Uh, we had folks from, I think like five counties, uh, we had a good group of, of Amish come and, uh, I know that Estes, you did the, the evaluations and I think that the, uh, what we kind of, you know, the knowledge that we gained from their evaluations was that we had like 80 acres of pumpkin production that was represented there. We had, uh, you know, everybody gained knowledge that would help them in pumpkin production for the, the next growing season. And even, you know, a lot of them stated that, you know, that they would uh, save money by using some of the, the techniques and, and the information that Brandon was able to, to give to them uh for the for the next next growing season so i think you know that was definitely a success um we it was a you know a great night and i you know i think we should definitely do that again in the you know maybe a couple of years to 
uh, do a, a round two. But yeah, it was it was definitely. I thought it went great, and everybody that I talked to, um, you know, really enjoyed it. So I think it was good. I think so too. And, and little things like um, I know several people said that, like, what was it, Plectosaurium that Brandon was talking about? Plectosporium. Yep. Yeah, and so some of them hadn't really been able to recognize that before and I, I i saw several mention that that from here on out you know that's something they could they could recognize now you know but they may have not known what it was before but now that now they do right, right. yeah and, and like i say you know of course we we grow pumpkins as well and brandon he, he's definitely 100 correct in that plectosporium is a disease that we see a whole lot more often now um the last probably three crops that um that we have grown, we've had plectosporium uh, issues, you know, in those crops. Um, the, so, and of course, uh, like downy mildew, powdery mildew, though, you know, those diseases, those always come in, you know, at a certain time of the year, typically um, some of them on weather fronts, um, but those are kind of typical, um, but more preventative. And so like with the plectosporium, um, we are definitely seeing that more, you know, in our crops. And and it could be too, you know, it's more prevalent because people just don't know what it is and don't know how to control it. Um, and with the meeting that we had, you know, with all the information that Brandon gave out, uh, that definitely opens up, you know, the the mindset and the eyes of the those growers to kind of be on the lookout for that whenever they do see those signs um, and symptoms that, you know, they can uh, get a fungicide in place to, you know, um, take care of that yeah we're really fortunate in our area to have uh, folks uh, adam huber like you and brandon bell and medcalf county that have hands-on experience and i think that that's just hard to beat uh, several years i don't brandon's kind of been the, the de facto uk pumpkin <laughs> specialist he gets He's the uh, man. he gets referred to a lot uh from from all of us around here and started uh uh, of course, he's been growing them for several years. You can't beat that real-world experience, and plus, mm -hmm. uh, he's uh, he's just a, a good resource. And um, I'm glad he was able to to do to do that. Uh, and y'all carried that out really well. I wasn't able to be there, but had a commitment in Louisville. But it was uh, I'm glad y'all were able to help our folks with that because those are some tough questions sometimes. <clears throat> Well, I agree. Yeah. I, I know I've told y'all before, horticulture is not my strong point. Definitely not. <laughs> no. <laughs> and, and especially like pumpkins or really any cucurbit, you know, I, I'll just be honest with you. I pick, I call him a lot, you know, for help. Oh yeah. It's, that's the, and that's the good thing about our, uh, we still call it mammoth cave area. Every, there's pockets of agents that work together all across the state, but uh, I'm really appreciative of our group. Uh, that that seems like if you need something, you can always count on somebody to help you. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're. I. I mean, this this group is pretty much like family. Uh, yeah. I think so. Anyways. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, gentlemen, we are pretty much running out of time. Is there any any last last second words you got to say? <laughs> uh, Hope everybody has a safe harvest a safe fall yeah uh, i know a lot of people's fixing to you know take out on fall break trips i just hope everybody has a safe time 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Definitely be safe. Enjoy time with family. Yeah, yeah, that's that's uh, this time of year. I love I love the fall time of year and and getting Mm -hmm. into the winter because you got the holidays coming up and you know that just means more time to spend with your families and you know to kind of. I do love work and stuff, but sometimes mm. you just got to take a break. That's right. <laughs> and so that's and a good time to get out and, and enjoy, you know, the outdoors, your family, and, and that kind of stuff for sure. Yeah. Sometimes it's it's hard to stop and uh, just some, and realize how blessed you are and everything. We hear a lot of bad things in the news, but we, we still live in a pretty good spot, a lot of good people around us, and uh, that's something that I don't, take advantage of enough is to stop and and thank uh, the good lord for what he does for us every day and uh how really blessed we are so thank you guys so much everybody just be safe out there yep absolutely so we'll be back again uh, we'll get this podcast put up and then we'll be back again in two weeks for the third episode no is this this is the third episode for the fourth mm-hmm. episode we'll be back in two weeks we appreciate everybody listening in and if you don't mind just uh, share our podcast uh, with your friends tell them about it we hope you enjoy it and we'll see y'all again in two weeks have a good thank you for listening to today's show with digging up ag We hope you join us back next time as we discuss various agriculture topics. Until then, please write a review and subscribe to our show on the podcast platform of your choice. We'll see you next time.